There went half the church. They just up and walked right out the door. <laughs> I was uh, making a few last-minute changes. I ran out in the foyer to the computer, and Roman goes, what are you doing out here? And I said, well, I'm trying to make a, a change. He goes, well, you know you're on in like two minutes. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I better get moving then. So... <laughs> Well, uh, it's been quite a week around the tallest house. We uh, School starts started back, and of course, that's always a crazy time for everybody. Uh, those of you who have kids, you know, the, getting them back into the routine, that's always fun. You're, Come on, we got to get up, we got to get, catch the bus, and away we go. So, so we had all that going on, and then in the middle of the week, the water runs out in the house. I think the water pressure tank blew up or something, so... I put a call into the plumber. Well, of course, he might not be able to get to it till next week, and maybe Monday, or I'm hoping Monday. I could probably fix it myself, but I don't trust myself with tools. Uh, you know, I don't want to blow the house up or anything. So, so we got up this morning, and I run. You know, I'm here, and I haven't shaved, haven't had a shower. Uh, took me back to when I was. Uh, I forgot my belt. <laughs> When I was a little kid, we used to go to Grandma's house down in southern Ohio, and they were very poor, very poor, um, growing up. And uh, I can remember many times going to Grandma's, and, and uh, she always, I used to always throw a fit because there were times I'd have to go to the outhouse. I'm like, I don't want to go out there, you know. And it, there was this long backyard, and I would stand there, and you could see the outhouse way off in the distance. It's like... I don't want to go <laughs> running through the yard, you know, because, you know, we're out in the woods and there's like, you know, Bigfoot could be out there or who knows what. He would jump out and get us. So we make a run, run out there and run all the way back. And, and at the time I was horrified. I was like, oh, this is horrible. How can people live like this? Yeah, you know. And Grandma said, that's all right, Johnny. You know, uh, rich people, they got a canopy over their bed, but us poor folks, we got a canopy under the bed. So, <laughs> so we always. <laughs> Anyways, so we're all getting a, a good education, a good reminder on you know modern conveniences like running water here. So, it's a wonderful thing. Well, the last uh, week uh, there was some. Uh, Amazing things that happened, an event that people had been looking forward to for a long time finally occurred. Uh, you know, people had prepared for it. They had gone to the store and, and got things and uh, you know, were prepared, and school kids had talked about it, and you know, it was a, an event that people had been looking forward to for a long time. If we can go to the site, oh yes, uh, Maybe not that spectacle, but uh, next slide. Oh, yeah, that, that's it, the, the, the eclipse. Uh, a lot of you went out, and hopefully you all took a moment to go look at the eclipse. And I heard a lot of things on the radio and have read about different things. Some people look at this and go, wow, it's a, you know, it's a, what a, nature is so great. Too bad, you know, your God's not real, but, but nature's really cool. And then I've heard the other side, uh, you know, from my perspective, whoops, let's go back one. Uh, I like that eclipse there. Uh, 
you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, wow, the heavens declare thy glory. You know, what an awesome, amazing God that, that, that we have, and an amazing thing that that really is. But what really struck me is how it got everybody to stop what they were doing and just look up in the sky. At school, where we had, didn't have students yet, but there were about 30 of us teachers out in front of the school. Some of us had little glasses, little paper ones you picked up. Uh, a couple of us went down to the shop. We raided the welder's masks, so we're standing out there with welder's masks, looking around, you know, trying to see what's going on. And, and if you go to the next slide, uh, there you've got uh, this is kind of what it looked like. And I always love this when I stand and I look at a group of people. They're all looking up into the sky, like wow, it, you know, it's kind of a neat thing. Because Acts chapter one refers to an event that will occur in which people will be standing and looking up into the sky, just like uh, what we saw you know, this week with the, uh, with the eclipse. Only this is going to be a much more amazing event. Acts chapter 1, verse, verse 10. Actually, I'll start with verse 9 if you have your Bibles. Uh, the scene is uh, Jesus has met with the disciples it's after his crucifixion, after the resurrection. He's been with the people, and uh, it's sort of the last moment. And they're all gathered together and on top of the mount. And, uh, and sure enough, starting at verse 9, And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, a couple of angels. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taking up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. What a, what a shock they must have been like, what? He's going to come back? He always kind of hinted he'd come back, but you mean in the flesh? He's going to like come back out of you know in that same manner. And I always think of this when you know people are looking into the sky and and we think about it. And one of the things when I was a new Christian that I was really fascinated in was you know Bible prophecy. What's going to happen at the end of end of time? And I can remember again as a little kid listening to my parents and grandmother and others talking about events out of the Bible, and I remember how scared I was. <laughs> That's probably about Emma's age, and I, was, I remember being, I distinctly remember being in the living room, I was sleeping on the couch, and I could hear him talking in the kitchen. And Grandma was, you know, just going into detail, Pentecostals get all carried away with stuff like that, and I'm laying in there just scared out of my mind, and I'm just praying to God, oh, you know, God... I know you love me, and you're going to take care of me. That's all I just kept saying. Because some of the stuff they talked about just kind of blew my mind. Now, I'm not one to, to preach on prophecy a whole lot. Um, we can talk and talk and talk about things that are going to occur. And, but like a lot of things in the Bible, there's debate about it. What's going to happen? Who's, you know, what order are things going to happen? And in a lot of that, nobody really ever gets saved. Nobody ever really, you know, 
draws closer to Christ. It's a lot of it turns into an academic kind of thing. Well, I don't want to get too too deep into that today, but the final fundamentals that I want to look at is what's going to happen? What's what's next? What's next for God's people? What's the next thing for this earth? For you and, and me? The second coming of Christ, coming again, is as certain as God's word is, is true. We believe that God's word is true. Uh, I've made it clear, I, you know, my beliefs are founded on, on this. Um, I'm not going out trying to correct people and shake my fist at people. You better know that's what I I just want to learn what the Bible says and share what it says with other people. The church of God of the Abrahamic faith has always been interested in, you know, what's going to happen? What's the end of the story? When I was a kid, uh, uh, Paul Harvey. Anybody know who Paul Harvey is? A lot of the older fans. Yeah. Any you anybody under eighteen know who Paul Harvey is? I didn't think so. <laughs> the burners were going to be like, "What? Who? What?" Paul Harvey. Good day. You know Paul. Well, he always used to have this segment called "The Rest of the Story," and he would go into this thing. Now for the rest of the story. Well, this is the rest of the story. This is kind of how things I believe are going to wrap up. How things are going to go and. And there are a lot of prophecies concerning the fact of Christ's return to earth. They're clearly presented in the Bible. And again, I'm not going to get bogged down in the minutiae and, and you know, take us deep into a, a, a morass where we're going to get stuck and, and people are like, ugh, you know, this is crazy. Because frankly, some of this is really amazing stuff. Amazing as in, wow, how can that possibly happen? That, that's like... Sounds like a science fiction movie or something. But Bible prophecies concerning Christ's first coming as a, as a child in the manger and his second coming are, are they're linked together. During his earthly ministry, prophecies concerning his first coming were fulfilled in, in detail. There are many prophecies in the Old Testament that refer to a coming Messiah. The Jewish people looked forward to the Messiah, the one who would come and rescue them and be their Savior. Nobody really expected him to come and be a suffering servant, the Lamb of God. They expected him to come as the Lion of Judah, the King. Well, he came as in his first appearance as a suffering servant. Servant. He came to be a sacrifice. At his second coming, he will be coming as, as a king. At his first coming, he was the Lamb of God crucified on the cross. At the second, he is the Lion of Judah. The reality of Christ's future return to earth is definite and ensure. If we go to the next part of our thing, uh, there's some final fundamentals that I want to look at real briefly today. I don't want to go into a lot of detail. If you're interested in this, we can have a conversation. But the rest of the story, some events that I believe are going to occur, 
Things like, uh, what's this, the rapture of the church? What in the world is that? I saw a movie called Left Behind once. Kirk Cameron was flying on a plane, and some lady's uh, husband went to the bathroom, and he's like, oh, he's just stuck in there. Yeah, but he went naked. He left his clothes here, and I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, this, this, well, so we're going to talk about what's, what that was all about, the rapture of the church. The second coming of Christ himself, yes, Jesus Christ, is personally going to come back to this earth. You think people got wound up over the eclipse? Wait till that happens. People are really going to freak out over that. And then, of course, despite the, despite the fact that many people think, well, Jesus, is, he's all love and, for, and happiness, he's going to come as a king, and he will bring judgment with him. And then, of course, the kingdom of God that we, that we so look forward to and we think about. There are some important things about all of this. The reason these things have to occur, we move on, um, First of all, what is this idea? What is this rapture thing? What is this rapture thing? When I was a kid, they, uh, they used to make these cheesy uh, Christian movies where you, they'd always have people get their heads chopped off and stuff, and you would try to scare the kids into being saved. You don't dare want to leave camp without giving your life to Christ because, you, you, boy, these guys can get you, and it's not going to be good. What is this rapture that talks about? The, the word rapture, uh, does, it doesn't even occur in the Bible. Okay, It's a word that in the English language we've kind of used, taken it to refer to an event that does appear in the Bible, but the only time we ever talk about it is at funerals or you know, those types of things. But it's created to, to refer to a calling together. A, a bringing together of the people of God. Those who have, who have passed away, who have gone on before us, those of us who are alive and who remain, there will be a day. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus will come forth and collect those of the church. The church will be raptured, brought up. 1 Thessalonians has a good uh, description of it. And again, you probably have heard this at, at funerals. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I believe. Here we are. Okay. There was some... Uh, the church of Thessal Thessalonica was kind of interesting. What's, what happened to people who died? You talk about Jesus... And he's going to come back. What about everybody that's died? Are they, are they out of luck? What's, what's going on here? Well, Paul didn't want him to be uninformed. He said, no, no, no. I want you to know what's going to happen here. Chapter 4, verse 13. But we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. People who have died. So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Those who don't believe in Christ. There is no hope for the future. They know that. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. God's going to bring them with him. What do we gather them up? 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The day will come when Christ himself will go forth, sent by God the Father, to collect the church. Those who have died before us, those who are alive and remain, will be brought together in a great gathering up that we refer to as, we call it the rapture, the rapture of the church. Seems like this event will be sudden, that it's going to happen like that. You can imagine the, uh, the chaos that that would, uh, would result in. You know, you're flying in a plane, you know, you're, this is your captain. By the way, I'm a Christian, and if, if the rapture happens, well, sorry, gang, you, you, know, I, you know, I don't know what you do then. But it's, it's an interesting idea that there will come a day when all of us will be gathered together. What a great and wonderful moment that that would, would be. As, an, as somebody who's older now, I don't look at that with fear anymore like I did when I was a child. In fact, I look forward to it. I want it. You think about the limitations of life, the things that we deal with, those types of things. Those things are temporary. The day will come when those of us who believe will be gathered together as one with our Lord and we will always be with Him. That's something that we can comfort each other with. When things get bad when the, runner, when the water runs out, when uh, uh, you, you know, you know, eighteen hundred other things all happen at once. There is that moment to look forward to. That moment when Christ Himself will descend and come to this world. Let's go on. Let's see what else we got here this morning. Oh, why is it important? Now, I debated about. How much do you want? How deep do you want to get into this? I'm not going to get very deep into this because I, I think it would confuse people. I think it would make people fall asleep. Uh, where's Deanne? I'm always teasing her. You know, Ken, don't let her fall out down out back here now. I was teasing her. She dropped her Bible the other week, and I told her I was going to tease her. So, anyways, uh, but yeah, uh, all of this is important. Some people believe that. Uh, you know, Jesus will come back, this rapture will occur, and then a great, a horrible time of, uh, of tribulation will occur, when the world will really become a mess. But we as a church, like, God will save us from that. We won't endure that. Others say, no, 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 you're going to have to put up with the first part of it, but then he'll come, and before it gets really bad, then he'll, he'll snatch you out. That's called... Uh, mid-tribulation. Tribulation is a time, a period, when things are going to get really bad. And then others say, no, 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 this refers to post-tribulation. We all get to go through the tribulation. God wants His church to be here. We're going to be here in this world. We're still going to try to save people. 
And then right before the end, before the second coming, then he'll snatch us all up and away we go. I don't care what you believe. <laughs> when I was, uh, for many, many years, I believed that God's going to rescue us out of that and we're not going to have to worry about it. And as I get older, the more and more I look at the Bible, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure. Who knows? Point is, Jesus will come. We will be gathered together in what we refer to as, as the rapture. After that event occurs, we're all being gathered up. Whether you believe it's... We're going to have to wait a while, then we'll come back. I mean, that's up to you. But after that event, the second coming of Christ will occur. That event where you go, oh, look, there he is, he's coming. <laughs> right back down to earth. Just like, he, like they said he would. These things have to happen because when this begins, this will, it, this will begin the final act of human history. You know, history kind of has a beginning with humanity and there's going to be an end to it. So when these things occur, we're at, we're at the end here. Okay? The work of the church will be complete. Okay? Uh, the mission of the church will be done. We'll be gathered back with Christ. Christ himself will be on the earth. The kingdom will begin. He will then install his kingdom. We will be there with him to live through that. This ought to give us some incentive on how to live. If he's coming back, the Bible kind of says it's like a, the bride and the bridegroom, and you got to be ready you know, for that to occur. And there are certain guests, and, and I want to re read some of those scriptures to you here in a second. But if you have your Bibles, turn to... Um, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians is a little book, kind of sandwiched there before the T's in the New Testament. When you find your T's, Timothy, Titus, Thessalonians, just before that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, says this, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, when he, when he comes back, then you will be revealed with him in glory because of the rapture. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, all of that which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you once walked, when you were living in them, before you gave your life to Christ, the Bible refers to us, sons and daughters of disobedience. And it's because of them that the wrath of God will come upon this world. We get frustrated. We watch the news. We see what happens. Why isn't God doing anything? How long are we going to have to wait? Well, he will come back one day as... Someone to bring wrath upon this world. Because of this event, Paul is asking us, deny those things. Deny the immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires. You don't want to be involved in that when he comes back. The certainty 
of these events, that Jesus is coming back, should propel us to want to live lives of righteousness. To live a life that's pleasing to God. I don't want to be in the middle of something I shouldn't be when, if Christ were to return. How would that look? Boy, I need some money. Well, they ain't looking. I'm going to take a few 20s out of this purse over here. Whoops, Jesus comes. What are you doing with that? Oh, sorry about that. I uh, didn't mean... Uh, there. Oh. Caught. The point is, with the certainty of Christ's return, imminent, we want to be about serving Him. We want to be about doing things that are pleasing to God, that would make Him pleased with us, so that at the end He can say you know, that famous term, well done, good and faithful servant. The second coming of Christ is an appeal to watchfulness, to faithfulness. Let's be faithful. When Jesus returns, true believers will be found watching for his coming. Matthew chapter 24, one of the most famous chapters of the Bible, if you're into prophecy, if you're into this kind of thing. Matthew chapter 24, this isn't too far before he's going to be let off to the crucifixion, the last... Uh, Supper is at hand. The plot to kill Jesus has been put into motion. Matthew 24, Jesus is going to give the disciples a little insight into what's to come. In fact, one of the, the, the disciples took him aside privately and said, tell us, you know, all these things you've been telling us, When's this going to happen? What's, what's the sign that we should be looking for? The end of the age. And Jesus goes into a whole uh, long passage here in Matthew 24 about the signs that will precede his return. How there'll be perilous times and it's going to be uh, pretty rough stuff. You just flip on the news. But there'll be a glorious return one day of Christ returning to this world in his second coming. That's different than the rapture. The rapture is us being taken up with him. But then he's coming back to the earth. Matthew 24, starting at verse, oh, let's start at verse 42. If you don't have your Bible, just kind of close your eyes and just kind of imagine this and, and, and hear it with me. Therefore, be on the alert, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Jesus didn't even know. He even said it. He told, I don't even know the day and the hour. Only God knows. So I, I can't tell, even if I knew, I, could, I can't tell you. I, but be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. If I knew there was a thief coming, I'd be sitting there waiting. My shotgun ready. Come on, big boy. I got you. I know you're coming. Because I'm up. I'm waiting. I know he's coming. I'm prepared. Verse 44, For this reason you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you don't think he will. He's going to catch, you off, catch us off guard, I think. 
Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his, of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Master puts you in charge of something, he comes back, and there you are doing what you're supposed to do. Good job. Same goes for us. The master, Jesus, will come back. Those of us who he finds doing what he requires. Good job. Truly I say to you, verse 47, that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time. It begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that slave will come on a day when he doesn't expect him and in an hour which he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You don't want to be that evil slave. You don't want the master to come back and find you doing evil things. His return is an incentive to Christian service and a stimulus to, to do good work, to do missionary work, to do kingdom work. The outstanding work of the church today is to warn men in all nations of Christ's return and future judgment. I was talking to, or reading an article actually, um, there are groups in Africa, Christian churches in Africa, who are starting to look at the church here in the United States and they have a desire to want to send missionaries to the United States because they feel the church has lost its way. All of our emphasis on money, on you know, all of, the, of these things and stuff and that's just not of the kingdom of God. There are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who look at our country, at our American church, and are worried about us. Americans, we like to think we're, man, we, you know, we're the best. USA, we're number one. <laughs> I love my country. I'm very proud to serve and to be a part of this wonderful nation. I teach its history. I love it. But when Jesus comes, I'm not an American. I'm a child of God. All of these things will pass away. God's word will remain forever. The kingdom of God will remain forever. Let's move on to uh, another slide here to see what's going on here. Ooh, what will the second coming be like? What's it going to be like? When I was a little kid laying there listening to all these stories, and I'm like, what, what's going on? Well, as I look at the scripture, I understand that, yes, Jesus himself will return to earth. Kind of... I have a very weird sense of humor. Um, you know, Jesus, what he probably really is, what he looked like, he doesn't look anything like the, the pictures we, we, we see it down at the bookstore. And you know, What you're probably looking at, the most famous depictions of Jesus, are probably a nobleman from the, the Middle Ages, a rich guy. Jesus wasn't a rich white guy, all right? He was probably, uh, turn on the TV, find a typical Middle Eastern guy. There you go. That's probably what Christ looked like. The Bible mentions that there really wasn't anything physically telling about him that would point him out as being somebody special. 
always like these new, uh, in the last four or five years, they've done some wonderful films of Christian, uh, like Jesus Christ, the life of Christ, the gospel. Uh, Vin uh, Caviezel, Jim Caviezel is in The Passion. You know, I, if you prefer your Christ to be like totally ripped and, and look good, you know, there you go. But he's probably not going to look like Brad Pitt when he comes back, you know. The point is, Jesus, the real Jesus, he's coming back. It's a personal coming back of Christ. Like we read in Acts, the same Jesus who was taken up from us into heaven, so shall he come back in a like manner that you, that you saw him go. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. This is going to be a big event. And when I was little, I thought, how can he be seen everywhere at once? The world's round. I mean, he, so say he comes back down to, to Jerusalem. He'd come down out of the sky. Well, people on our side of the world can't see him. How is that going to be possible? Oh, YouTube Live. Oh, we're live right now. People can't see me. You can see me right now. Satellites. You think your Instagram's blown up now. Wait till Jesus comes back. I mean, whoa, look at this. It's a visible coming back. Everyone will see him. Every eye shall see. Revelations chapter 1, verse 7. Every eye shall see. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That's from the book of Luke. If men say that Christ's coming is invisible and really it's his presence, you know, I don't think that. The Bible says Jesus is coming. He's a visible appearance. And probably most importantly, besides the fantastic nature of this, the spectacle of it, the shock of it, it'll be sudden and unexpected. People aren't going to be ready for it. People are not expecting him to return. I looked uh, just the other night, I was putting together some pictures for this presentation. And I, I typed in uh, Second Coming, Google Images. Lots of really cool Renaissance art, a light from the Enlightenment, uh, beautiful art pieces. And scattered out through there are a lot of very sarcastic, very evil pictures people have written mocking Christ, mocking the Second Coming. There are many folks who do not believe in Jesus. They don't believe that He'll ever come back. And they laugh at us for suggesting that our Lord will return. His coming will overtake them as the thief comes unexpectedly in the night. It will take them by surprise. Believers, on the other hand, were watching and waiting for that return. We don't know the date. Don't listen to Christians who tell you, I have it calculated out to this day. Uh, in the history of our Church of God, one of our forebearers uh, in the Unitarian uh, faith, uh, they got mixed up in what's called the Great Disappointment. There was a time in the 1800s when they were duped, and he is coming back this day, and they sold all their stuff, and they, they all went out literally 
waiting around, waiting for him to come, and man, what a disappointment. You know, here we are a hundred and plus years later, still no Jesus. But it is happening, and it'll occur at a time when we're not prepared. And finally, this return of him, I think it will be glorious. It'll be triumphant. The second coming of Christ will not, he will not come as the, uh, the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, the, the average little Middle Eastern man who's going to come down out of, of heaven and make this great appearance. No, this will be the King of Kings, the Lion of Judah. He will come in power, with great glory. He will subdue his enemies. He will rule and triumph over the earth. The triumphant return of Christ is described in dozens and dozens and dozens of verses and places in the Bible. If you're a person of faith, you should be encouraged by that. Our God will bring his justice to this world. His wrath will be poured out. Jesus is not a wimp. He will not come back as a wimp. He's coming back as the king, ready to serve, ready to lord over this beautiful and wonderful kingdom that God has prepared for all of us. Let's move on. Just a couple more things I want to talk about here. Uh, if you're writing any of this down, I'm not going to go through these with you, but uh, some results of all of this. So, yay, Jesus is coming back. Yay, what's, what, what's, what's that do for me? Well, it's a physical redemption for believers. You're going to be saved. Okay? Dead Christians will be resurrected to immortality. Those who we love, those who have gone on before us, we will see them again if they're part of the body of Christ. I wish everybody who ever lived, I wish that many of my family members would be there, but they won't. They did not accept Christ. Some of them mocked him. Made fun of us. My grandmother, uh, again a Pentecostal, her theology is a little different than ours, but her brothers used to just torment her when she was a kid. So they used to just laugh and laugh. I, I'm going to church. Ah, you wasted your time going to church. And, and my grandma was a very quiet lady. and She said finally one day, she, she just looked at him and said, Russell, you boys can go to hell if you want to, but I'm going to heaven. That was that. And off she went. We know what that's like. You have loved ones, people in your own lives, in your own families, who won't be there. But those of us who call him Lord, it'll be an amazing, amazing event. It's so beyond our comprehension to really see what is going to happen. The Bible kind of like says it's kind of, you know, kind of like looking in a mirror dimly. You ever look at yourself in the mirror? Well, darken that up real good and kind of look into it. You can kind of see, but not really. It's a mystery. 
But just because we don't see everything and comprehend everything doesn't mean that it's going to not happen. It will happen. The second coming of Christ will occur. The glorified church will be with Christ when he rules over this world, when he rules over the nations. Members of this church will become like kings and priests, and I can't even understand what that's talking about. I'll be honest. But the point is, God is a God of love and mercy, but he also, there's a limit, I think, to his patience. And if you're frustrated, when you turn on the news and you see some of the things that frustrate you and the evil in the world and the things that we require people to do. I was reading a survey. uh, You know, people like me and Julie and and Karen and others who work with kids. uh, The generation coming through right now is called the I generation. I'm from Generation X. I got some baby boomers. Russ, you're a baby boomer. And you got some other groups in there, but the iGen is Kayla would be an iGen. They're coming through right now. Only about 30% of that generation really has any concept of, of an idea of God, of Christ. Because they are so enamored with the idea that, well, everybody just loves each other and we accept one another. And who am I? I can't judge people. And I can't, if you don't want to believe in God, that's okay. And I'm not. It should bother us. We should have a burden for people who don't have a love for Christ. What motivates me to move forward? I had a wonderful experience a few weeks ago. I got to testify to one of my best friends about the coming of Christ, about my beliefs about Jesus. He's a very academic person, very high-level thinker, sees everything in it through academia, through philosophy, and it's hard to talk to these folks sometimes. Because when you get into a, a debate, they can just run you off the field. They're so clever and quick. But finally, he felt for the first time the Holy Spirit pulling at him, nudging at him. There has to be more than what, the, what this is. And I was blessed to be able to share with him the gospel and for him to listen and not judge and not to... As somebody who looks forward to the return of Christ, I am all about sharing the gospel with people who don't know him. That day is coming, and when it happens, that's it. Nobody sneaks in through the back door. There's no second chance. The Bible says a time will come where he will separate the sheep from the goats. You want to be a sheep? (laughs) Come, blessed, into the kingdom I prepared for you. And you goats, you're off to destruction. What a horrible day that will be. What a day that will be. Have a burden for people, not because you're in the, like Star Trek, beam me up, God, you know. Have a, have a burden for people. The time is coming, friends, when the church age ends. It might be tonight. It might be in a million years. 
But as sure as the sky is blue, the grass is green, Jesus is returning one day. And it's up to us to, to bring those who, who we love, to share the gospel. You never know who, who's going to be impacted by that. People you write off, oh, they'll never. You never know who God's going to call. We have to be ready. Don't let him come like a thief in the night, totally unprepared. You're like, oh my, I wasn't ready. You got to be ready. Well, I could go on and on and on about this. As you can tell, it's a favorite topic. And I get fired up when I start talking about sharing the gospel. It's a frightening thing to share your faith. But once you've done it, there's something empowering about it. You know, I, I, I want to tell somebody else. I want to share the gospel with somebody else. I shared the gospel with my own grandmother on my mother's side when she was 82, I think. She had cancer real bad, so I don't care, I'm sharing the gospel. If you love Christ, love your, love your people, love your, your family, love your neighbors. The greatest thing that you can do for them is to share that gospel. Because, friends, Jesus is coming again. That may be the greatest fundamental of them all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a, an amazing thing that we look forward to, and it's one that we can ra scarcely wrap our minds around. It's an amazing event that's going to occur, that one day you will send your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He will gather us together. And then together with Christ, we will return to this world and he will make his grand second appearing. And things will never be the same ever, ever again. Lord, help us to love each other and to love those who don't know about the wonderful gift of salvation, that you have fully made the path for them to, to enter in, to be a part of that wonderful time. Lord, we love you today. We give you thanks because you love us and because you've blessed us. Father, we love you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's continue.